everyone. Welcome to our podcast. I wish my boss told me that. And this will be our final episode in our season on networking. And we have an exciting episode ahead of us because we have a new guest, interesting guest, not a person from AB InBev, but somebody from the uh, India ecosystem. I'm very proud that we have today on our podcast, Hari TN. Uh, Hari does not need an introduction here in India, but for our international listeners, uh, Hari has been uh, had, at the head of HR of Big Basket, one of the most successful startups in India, uh, has been an author of several books already. He's a strategic advisor now to startups, an angel investor, and also a strategic advisor in Fundamentum Partnership. Uh, had a very interesting, diverse career with different stages that we're going to go through. Uh, and I'm pretty sure he will have a lot of amazing learnings to share with us. So great to have you here today. Hari, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Serge, for having me on your show. So first of all, can you maybe try to summarize you know, the highlights of, of your career? Um, because your career already spans many years and i think you took different types of routes so Serge, my career can broadly be broken up into three or four buckets the first bucket is uh, when i started my career through a campus placement at i am calcutta with tara steel so i worked largely as a mechanical engineer for about 11 years and after 11 years i moved to human capital or human resources and that move was more by accident than by design you know, in large companies, it's common for individuals to rotate across functions so that they get a better understanding of how companies and organizations run more holistically. And at that point of time, Tata Steel was going through a bit of an existential crisis because post-liberalization, CIS countries were dumping steel at prices that were below our costs. And a very old company had to transform, restructure, you know, change the culture of the organization so we had to do a lot of things to be able to even survive and compete in a completely different environment. And we got McKinsey to help us with this a little bit. And I was part of the co-team that worked on this project. And a large part of this project was really about human capital. And that's when I realized that you know human capital can be a very, very strategic function, especially for organizations that are rapidly transforming. And startups are always transforming. They're always making pivots. They're continuously changing. And therefore, human capital becomes very strategic for you know, startups. And at some point of time, I did move out of Tata Steel because I just felt it was a bit too large for my comfort. It was a bit of a rule breaker. And I felt you know, I wanted to work in a more agile, you know, fast-paced environment. And that's how I joined you know, a company called Daksh, which was a BPO startup at that point of time. And that happened sometime, I think, about 20 years back, close to 20 years back. And I think for me, the last 20 years have been with a string of high growth startups. So the last 20 years, I can break it up into two parts. Part one is the first 14 odd years and the next six years. First 14 odd years, I worked, you know, focusing on the company that I was a part of, helping the company scale without the wheels coming off, looking inside participating in different, you know, activities, initiatives, doing all the right things to help the company scale. 
and the last six years was with Big Basket. And last six years, I just felt, you know, what it made a lot of sense for me to engage with the ecosystem at large, the startup ecosystem. Because I realized that, you know, I had learned so much that uh, these young entrepreneurs that I was seeing in the ecosystem need not make the same mistakes that I had made. And therefore, mm -hmm. if I could share some lessons with them, they would stand to gain a lot. And that's how I began engaging with them in multiple ways. I began writing extensively, started with LinkedIn. And what I wrote, I think, connected well with uh, entrepreneurs because it was very practical stuff, nothing academic at all. It was pretty unacademic the way I wrote. Very, very practical, very down to earth. And that inspired me, actually, the reception I got on LinkedIn inspired me to you know, make, uh, write books, actually. And in the last uh, six years, probably I would have written six books, one book a oh. year on an average, on very different topics, but mostly about how to build and scale companies. So that has been an exciting phase the last six years. And I've engaged with the ecosystem in multiple capacities, worked with you know, early stage accelerators, early stage VC funds, late stage VC funds have been writing extensively and also, you know, being a part of Big Basket. So I think this is the third phase of uh, my career. And in yeah. some ways, I think it's the most fulfilling as well. So you have a kind of a corporate start to your career, you know, starting in a big international company, then moving to the startup environment, Correct. and now becoming more a player of the ecosystem. Is, yes. is, that, is that something that you consciously thought about when you started your career, that you want to have different types of experiences, or is it something that gradually evolved over the years? I think it gradually evolved. My own sense is that, you know, it's not very easy to think right up front when you're starting your career, what you really want to do and how you want to spend the next 20, 30 years. I think it's a process of evolution as you learn along the way, new opportunities open up. I think if you keep your eyes and ears open, if you don't suppress your interests, if you continue to learn regularly every day, then I think, you know, you will discover very interesting opportunities. And if you begin to take some risks, then I think things would automatically begin to unfold. So my own sense is that it's very difficult to plan right at the beginning yeah. of your career what all you want to do. They unfold. You just have to keep your eyes, ears, and mind open to new opportunities and should be willing to take those risks. Now, I think it's something that I see, I'm not sure about your opinion, but something that I see a lot of people nowadays kind of struggle with when they start their career because they're looking and trying to plan ahead and trying to make sure that the next job that they take leads them somewhere you know, down the line. Whereas my experience as well is that in my career, I didn't really plan ahead for a very long time. I basically took the next opportunity, learned something new. Mm -hmm. And it looks like with you, it also evolved more organically rather than yes. consciously planned. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this episode is about networking because I believe we can learn a lot from you uh, in the area of networking, which I believe is one of the most critical, yeah, let's call it skills or characteristics that a leader should have or a person who wants to make an amazing career should have, uh, be able to network with people, to connect with, uh, with people, to advance their learning. Do you think that, it's, that networking is something that extroverts are great in? Do you see a connection between you know, being extrovert or introvert and being really good at networking for your career? Not necessarily, Serge. I think both introverts as well as extroverts uh, can be good at networking. I think uh, for some strange reason, we try and judge people and put them into some binaries, which is extrovert, introvert. And these are all binaries. Actually, the whole world is a state of continuum, you know, whether you're an extrovert or an introvert. 
actually very early on in my career i might have probably agreed with you in fact um, very early on you know i used to hear from you know my bosses and senior folks that i had a great regard for saying that networking is an important component for developing your career and for me i assumed that networking is about being able to get along with people very superficially in cocktail parties and i wasn't good at that and since i assumed that that's what networking is all about i was a little you know depressed that uh, i am not destined probably to be successful in my career because i can't network but then i chose to ignore that and chose to stay focused on what i really do well and um, all of us have strengths i have my own strengths too so i just stayed very very focused on what i really do well built on them built on built complementary capabilities and gradually you know i discovered that you know even as an introvert you can network just think about it what what is networking networking is about being able to develop mutually beneficial relationships that is what networking is all about and i think anybody can develop those mutually beneficial relationships and my own sense is that you know you have to start by thinking about how you can help other people based on what you're really good at because that's the way you can spread and make a larger impact not just focusing on where you are but helping a lot of other people based on what you're really good at and once people begin to receive help people begin to know what you stand for i think they will respect you you will develop a reputation and they in turn will begin to help you so if a stranger makes a call to you most people are rude they may not even respond especially if they realize that other person is asked going to ask for some help or going to ask for some connection or going to ask you for a job or a introduction but if you are open to helping that person because it causes you no harm it just requires you to take some time out if you do that consistently i think people will then begin to help you that's how you build your network so my i think everybody can build networks you need to figure out what kind of network you need to build based on who you are as an individual so i don't believe that you know only extroverts can build networks i think uh, this is a myth i think uh, introverts can build networks build great relationships and extroverts can also have very deep conversations because the belief is that extroverts can't have deep conversations so i think the myths are all all everywhere broken yeah yeah so so how do you see networking done so networking is not as as you said no i think a lot of us think that if i go to a conference if i go to an event if i go to a corporate uh, event in our company or with other companies that networking is making contact with as many people as possible you no know, getting their business cards getting their whatsapp yes. numbers because then i have a very broad network is that what networking is or do you see because you talked about relationships is it for you much more about having very tight relationships maybe with much fewer people so for me networking is not about collecting business cards at all and meeting hundreds of people in a conference i think if you're going for to a, attend a conference you must be clear why you're going there if you're going there because the topic is of interest and there are some experts who are going to provide you some insights that's great in the process i'm sure you will collect some business cards you will meet some interesting people and i think the focus should not be on collecting hundreds of business cards but the focus should be on identifying those five or six people who with whom you can have a mutually beneficial relationship it always happens there will always be five or six who stand out with whom mm. you know somewhere intuition tells you that you can develop these long term relationships 
So I think it's important to figure out who are those people with whom you would like to establish long-term relationships. And in the process, you know, when you collect cards, there will be some people who collect your card as well. And if they reach out to you for some help, do help them out. If it's possible, do help them out. And I think that's where you start building relationships. So I think while you collect cards, that's not the objective. I think objective is give and take, spend some time, you know, go out of your way to help people, even if there's nothing for you in return immediately. I think that is networking to me. Hmm. So you look at networking more from helping Correct. other people. Uh, that, yes. of course, to a certain extent, will be helpful to you as well in, in, in your career or your life, right? Correct. So not just Correct. going about and, and helping uh, 100 people, but being a little bit more targeted, identifying Correct. which kind of relationships yes. you would like to build, Correct. and then starting off more selflessly yeah. rather than, let's say, approaching them for help straight away. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And if we look at, at your career, because again, if we look at your career, you have different types of stages. I imagine that building a network um, is slightly different when you work within a corporate company versus when you work within a startup. Um, how, how did you start early on in your career? Because you mentioned that, that you were a bit uncomfortable in the beginning. You thought you would not be able to network. What was the moment when you realized uh, when you worked for Tata Steel that you said, okay, I can build my network and this is how I can build my network in a big corporate? So I think in a big corporate, it's important even in a big corporate to build a network because work gets done based on relationships and a large company is spread out. There are several functions and everyone, you know, has priorities. So if you have your network, if you have built relationships, then your work tends to get prioritized a little bit. So I think even a large company, it's important to build those relationships. I think I realized that pretty quickly. What I also realized that was, I am not going to do well in a cocktail party where I have to, you know, interact with people I may not know well and carry on superficial, you know, conversation. I knew that I won't do well there, but I also realized that, you know, even in a large company, you know, it's important to have a good relationship with, let's say, the head of procurement, the head of finance, because let's say if I was working in, you know, project management, you know, your vendor invoices need to be processed quickly for them to provide you good services, continue to provide. And finance receives hundreds of, you know, invoices. You should be able to pick up the phone and say, this is, you know, this vendor invoice is pending. Can you please pay it? So I think these relationships in a large company act as a very powerful lubricant to get work done. If you work in IBM, which is scattered across the globe, and you know you don't know those people who are you know with whom you need to interact and get your work done, getting those having those relationships right, networking well, helping them when they are in need, and you in return getting help when you are needed, I think is very very important in a large company. Yeah, yeah, fully agree. I think this is one of the big benefits of of networking. What about the startup environment? How, do you see a difference in, in networking or the importance of networking when you worked in the startup uh, environment? So, or would you yeah. approach it in the same way? So I think you can approach it in the same way, but startups tend to be much smaller. And my own sense is that, mm. you know, networking within a startup is not as critical as networking in a large company. In a large company getting work done is very dependent on your network. But in a startup, which is much smaller, I think generally people, you know, accept that speed and agility is important. You can escalate very quickly and uh, networking is not as critical. 
but I think in the startup ecosystem in which I'm playing of late, I think there, you know, networking always is helpful. So for example, I, if I stay networked, uh, if I'm part of Fundamental, let's say, which is a VC firm, being networked with entrepreneurs helps me, you know, identify those mm -hmm. entrepreneurs who have great ideas and who are looking for money. If I am networked with them, they will look at me and they will look at Fundamental first rather than looking at some of the VC fund. So I think, you know, being networked and having those relationships ensures that they look at you first. When they have multiple, you know, things, multiple opportunities, they give you attention and they will respond to you. So I think you get the, you can, they will, you will be the first port of call for them probably. So I think networking generally helps if you're part of an ecosystem as such. Yeah, it's yeah. in a single startup, it may not be as critical maybe. Yeah, it, I think it will give you new ideas, no? access to people who have yes. different types of ideas. You can test your ideas with uh, new types of insights that you will get rather yes. than if you're more focused on your, on your bubble yes. where you are working at that moment. Yeah. 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 And do, do you think it's, because I would think it is a bit more complicated or difficult to start building that network in, in this startup environment? Because in a corporate, it's very, I think it's a little bit easier. You know, you can walk up to the head of finance, as you yes. mentioned, introduce yourself, you work for the same company, there's an easy way for you to connect. And then, okay, you can take it from there. Whereas if you're trying to build relationships outside of your company, which you mentioned in a startup yes. is mainly the case. Yeah, how do you start? Uh, because, yeah, it's kind of a cold call that you can do to somebody. And then, and then it depends whether that person you know, finds it interesting to, to build yeah. a network with you. So there's less of correct. a connection than correct. when you work in the same company. Correct, correct. So I think there are two ways in which you can do this. One is today social media is ubiquitous. So therefore, I think you should build your brand on social media. What you mm. stand for, what are some of your capabilities, why someone should value you. What is it that's so great in you that somebody should want to network with you? So I think your reputation, your brand, what you stand for, your core capabilities, the positions that you take on various issues should be known to everyone. If people begin to know you, then I think uh, they will want to network with you. So for example, I have been speaking about multiple topics. I wrote an article on, in the Mint on mental health and the fact that, you know, why a four day week is not going to solve the problem of mental health. Suddenly there were a bunch of people who were experts in mental health, who were reaching out to me, you know, to stay connected, ask me to speak about mental health in, you know, in some forums. So I think, you know, there, social media is allowing people to network. And there, I think you should build your brand. You should build your thought leadership. What is it that you're good at? What positions you take on various controversial, complex issues? I think that's one point, number one. I think number two continues to be helping other people. Because invariably, somebody will reach out to you and say, say, I work at Big Basket. You know, we are trying to list a product on Big Basket. Can you help me? Somebody reaches out to me, right? There are two ways in which I could deal with this. I can say, you know, I, I can ignore that or say that I'm extremely busy. Or I can go a little out of the way, take that email, int introduce that company or that start company which wants to list a product on Big Basket to the buying and merchandise team with a recommendation that this is a startup which is struggling to you know, reach out to customers. Can we help? And this is the contact. So he, then if you do that, then I think 
that person whom you have helped will go and tell 10 other people that Tian Hari, you know, is a very helpful person. You know, if you wish to reach out, please reach out to him. So I think that's how the word spreads. So helping people is always a given. I think that's the most powerful way to network in any context. And in a context which is you have to go out of your company, as I said, the first one was building your reputation, what you stand for on social yeah. media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But isn't there a, a risk of for yourself to be, get completely overloaded with people requesting for help at a certain point? You know, if you're very helpful to someone, the word spreads and then you get overloaded with, with requests. How do you deal with that? I'm, I'm sure you must have been contacted by hundreds of people. How do, yes. you, do, you, do you filter? Do you, you know, on social media, do you reply to everybody? How do you manage that? Yes, that's a very good question. So my own belief is that, you know, this is again a myth that it takes a lot of time to be able to respond to requests or help people. It is not true at all. So I received several requests for me. It's just an email introduction. It just takes 15 seconds, one minute to make that email introduction. Would you mm -hmm. not want to spend that one minute introducing somebody if it can make a difference to the life of that individual? Is one minute such a difficult, won't you find that one minute? Maybe you will find 10 other people. Those one minute, one minute is all 10 minutes. And there yep. will be some people who will you know, try to misuse this. But there you can be a very quickly, very firm and say, this is not something I can help you. Or, uh, you know, sometimes they ask you for a job. So many people reach out to me for jobs. I know I can't help them yeah. with jobs. So I tell them yeah. very upfront. So many people approach me for angel investing. It's, I tell them very standard response, which is that I'm not a particularly active angel investor. But if something mm -hmm. interests me, I, I will respond saying that, can you send me your deck? So I'm not a particularly active angel investor. So I will pass. Best of luck. Nevertheless, it's just a sentence. So wouldn't yeah. you want to put that sentence to build this network? So I think yeah. it, that's that's an investment in time you can always make. It's a, I can tell you honestly, it's a very low investment in time. It's not high at all. Yeah, yeah. It might look overwhelming if you see all your requests in yeah. your LinkedIn or any other uh, profile. But indeed, if you sit down, it's probably only a couple of minutes. I think you need to yeah. be able to be firm. firm. That's, correct. that's correct, right? And, and, and yeah. choose which, which requests you know, make sense to you as much for the person contacting Correct. you and which ones do you know are not going to lead anywhere and then be very clear on what you can do and you can't Correct. do. And that's probably also very tough for a lot of people to to reply saying, no, I'm sorry, I cannot help you yeah. with Correct. a Correct. job offer or with an angel investing. because it's And yeah. so many times, even when I've said no, people have been very happy. They've said thank you for at least responding. You know, many yeah. people don't even respond. That's very rude, I think. You know, if you respond and say, I can't do it, I'm sorry, you know, there's nothing like this opening. I think people are very happy. They said, you know, thank you so much for responding. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you see, it's not normal. It's not, let's say, the normal response today that people are connecting uh, yeah. very openly on, on those platforms. Yeah. Correct. Do, do you maybe have an example of how networking has really impacted your career, a very concrete example. We talked about some benefits of networking earlier on that you know you can connect with, to, with people with new types of insights. Uh, you can be more efficient in your career because you can pick up the phone to somebody that you know and get things done. Do you have any examples throughout your career that uh, you know, where networking has really bolstered the next step in, in your career? Yes, absolutely. Uh, there are hundreds of examples. All the books that I have written, I have co-authored with somebody. 
and each mm. of them is a person with repute. I found all of them by networking. Every single book has been co-authored with somebody who is a domain expert as passionate as I am about that book. And uh, finding the co-author would have not have been possible if I were mm. not a networker. That's how I've discovered, you know, a range of topics. There's a book which is just going to get published. And that book is about diversity beyond tokenism. And I found one of the persons who understands this subject extremely well is bold in her positions that she takes. And she reached out to me. And she reached out to me because she knew what I stood for, which is I speak my mind. Mm. I don't, you know, I call a spade a spade or whatever the topic. I don't just say the politically correct things. And she was exactly the same. So she reached out to me. So that book happened because of this. And so many books, all my books happened because of being able to network. Now, for example, I'm an advisor at uh, Arkham Ventures, work with uh, Fundamental Men. All of them happened because they realized that, you know, I can bring value. And based on, you know, my connections, based on what mm -hmm. I've been writing extensively, they knew that, yes, he's the right person, you know, to bend it you know, to work with. And uh, for example, you know, I've at, at some point of time, I will be done and dusted with big basket. How do I spend the next year, 10 years of my life? I have mm. to have a fulfilling something, do something very interesting and fulfilling. And uh, that interesting and fulfilling stuff can be done only if I have, you know, built those relationships. So for example, as I, told, I think I mentioned to someone, that I'm looking at setting up a school for entrepreneurship along with a bunch of other people. I got three other co-founders to help me with, or all four of us have actually come together because of this network, because of my networking, I found those, or we found one another. And now setting up a school like this will need you to find faculty across the world. And how do I find faculty across the world? Because I have networked. I want mm. some authors who've written some wonderful books on startups to come and teach. I myself have been an author. So other authors I tend to know and they will happily come and help me. So I think networking has helped me immensely, mm. has been very, very, like for example, I'm doing this podcast with you. I'm sure maybe a hundred people, 50 people will listen to this podcast. They will remember it in some way. And somewhere, you know, it is bound to pay me back because somewhere else when I need help, they will say, yes, I think I listened to your pod podcast. I know you. And uh, yep. that's how it helps. Yeah. So, yeah, I, th I think the, the red line through this conversation is that for you, networking is much more about helping people, helping, you know, the, the right people with the, the unique experience that you have. And then one day that network that you've yes. built yep. somehow will help Correct. you back in, in your back. career, basically. Correct. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I think you mentioned something interesting, the School of Entrepreneurship um, so if you go back to your career, corporate, startup, then more ecosystem, what is next in your career? Do you see a fourth uh, stage there already yes. gradually building? Yes, I'm looking at it. it's a dream uh, search, setting up a school for entrepreneurship because, uh, you know, uh, startups have been my first love always and the last 20 years. And I have discovered that uh, a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, they are bold have wonderful, amazing ideas and can potentially go on to become large companies, build large companies, but they need some help along the way when it comes to scaling. I think what young entrepreneurs are really good at is understanding consumer product technology, mm. but the scaling that business is something that they don't really understand. So I think at some stage when they reach a revenue of maybe 20 million, 50 million, 100 million, I think that's where they begin to falter. That's where they begin to trip up 
so my passion is about how do you help all those you know entrepreneurs to build amazing large companies so from that perspective i we identified four of us actually we have found each other with a similar passion and uh, we are thinking of you know at some point of time in the near reasonably near future to set up a school for entrepreneurship that will help you know entrepreneurs scale their businesses oh well wow, that sounds uh, super interesting super exciting something that builds indeed on your experience that you've already yes. had and and yeah. the massive network that you must have by yes. now yeah, yeah. Very nice very interesting learnings uh, harry uh, but you know that the the title of this podcast is also i wish my boss told me that right so uh, our last question to our guests is always what is that one thing that uh, you know you learned somewhere down the line in your career that you wish your boss in the early days would have told you yeah so i think uh, very difficult to answer this question but let me try nevertheless i think uh, everything in life is learned the hard way i think uh, if somebody comes and gives you an answer and tells you do it this way you're going to likely avoid a problem i think most of us would not believe it we would like to make that mistake but i think some smart people do learn a few lessons i feel but largely you need to make your own mistakes so mm. if there's one thing that my boss could have told me maybe uh, that would have been that uh, you know play to your strengths and uh, stick to what you're really good at and you are bound to succeed yeah so just a follow up question on that so what's your view on uh... Kind of performance evaluations. No, a question that I get in a lot of uh, a lot of cases is: Should I focus yeah. on the feedback that I'm getting on the things that I'm not good at, or should I focus on the strengths that I have, or a combination of the two? This is a very good question. So let me answer. I think I've also been asked this question, and my position on this is very clear. So I think you know, eventually, you should do things that play to your strengths. because that's what will make life enjoyable and that's what will make you successful having said that i think you also need to develop something which is complementary even though it may not be your strength because if you don't develop the complementary stuff then people won't respect you say for example you are a very strategic thinker you can think in an uncluttered way but let's say you're poor in execution then people won't respect you because they would say you know you only speak you don't get things done you can't get things done so while you may not be amazing at execution you think you need to get reasonably good so that people respect you for your strategic thinking so i think all of these things so you need to develop the some complementary skills you may never be really good at that but i think if you're reasonably good at that people will respect you for what you're really good at yeah yeah that's a great great example very comparable as well to sports i always like to compare to sports if you have in tennis an amazing forehand but a very lousy backhand yeah. your opposition will always target your backhand and you will only be able to grow as a tennis player yes. if you fix fix Correct. your backhand you'll never be the person with the best backhand but at least you'll be able to counter yeah. the attack on that backhand and then focus on your strength which is the forehand and try to win the game okay thanks a lot harry for joining uh, our episode here it was a great episode a lot of learning so thank you so much for joining thank you so much sir i thoroughly enjoyed being a part of your show and by the way i wish you all the best 
with uh, the next phase in your career, building the school of entrepreneurship, and also really looking forward to your new book on DNI, which I'm sure will have a lot of interesting and maybe even provocative uh, ideas on that DNI topic. Our next season is going to be about diversity and inclusion. So to all our listeners, tune in to that next season. Uh, will be released very soon with interesting ideas about how to approach diversity and inclusion. So thanks all for watching and listening. Please like our show, share our show, and uh, see you in the next season. Cheers.